Welcome to Cornerstone, where we are seeing lives change through the truth of God's Word and the love of God's people. We're glad you've joined us. Today, we'll be hearing from a special guest speaker. Listen in and be encouraged as we spend some time in God's Word together. I don't know about you, but um, I have a propensity for forgetfulness. Sometimes I get busy, caught up in my work and my to-do list. At times I get so busy I get overwhelmed with all the responsibilities I have at home and with family and with friends. And I get so busy, caught up in life that sometimes I forget just how good my life is. And it's in those moments when I am most susceptible to forgetting. To forgetting to be grateful to God who gave it all to me. My name's Eric. It's an honor for me to stand before you as we, uh, as we open up God's Word together. And I, I say that sincerely. It's an honor for me because I'm a sinner. I make a lot of mistakes. And I am in desperate need of God's grace in my life. And it's because of that precious gift that Jesus gave us on the cross that I'm able to stand before you and share what God is doing in my life. Well, you need to know that um, for the last few days, we've been talking about you. We had an elders retreat uh, over the last couple days, and we spent some time um, talking uh, about this church family and praying over you, doing a lot of praying. And it was such a good time to be together because we spent some time looking back at this past year and in identifying the moments where God was moving within this church and, and how He was doing some great things. And then we spent some time talking about some of the things that we're doing right now and the good things um, that God has made happen, the people that He has brought to us and the way that people have stepped in and stepped into ministry and, and doing just great things. And then we spent some time looking ahead, not just at the, the coming year, but the coming years. You see, I believe that God put this church in place years ago for such a time as this. <laughs> because as you, as you look around our community, it's growing. And years ago, God picked out this spot where there wasn't a whole lot out here. And He said, you know what? Might not be a lot of people right now, but in, in years to come, when the land gets more and more expensive and you wouldn't be able to buy this spot... There needs to be a church here because there's homes that are all around us and more homes to come, which means m more families and more people that are going to be right here out our back door. And God wants us to be ready. Now, I, I love that, um, uh, that we started this year in this series in Matthew chapter 28. It's called The, the Great Commission. And I think that's important to start out the beginning of the year because if you don't know where you're going, oftentimes you can, you can get off track. Um, years ago when I was in college, I went to Abilene Christian University, and we had a, uh, a tradition in our family. It was really more like a rule. Um, but uh, for my brothers and I, um, we weren't able to take our car our freshman year of college. 
And um, I think they were thinking that, well, hey, if you don't have your car, you're not going to run around quite so much. You're going to spend time in the library. You're going to study real hard, and you're going to make great grades. And for my brothers, my older brothers, that worked really well. I'm not sure if that theory came all the way through, but I ended up at ACU and did not have a car my freshman year, and I I survived that. But it came time for spring break, and uh, I wanted to go home and see my see my family and and I didn't have a car and my brother was going somewhere else and so I got a ride with a friend of mine that was going to Tulsa and I grew up in Branson Missouri up in the Ozarks and so I got all the way back to Tulsa and my dad came over and and picked me up and when we were driving back to Missouri um, he announced to me he said hey um, why don't you at the end of spring break why don't you take your car and drive it back to campus and I thought sweet. You know, I got to break all the rules that my brothers didn't get to do. I, of course, thought it was because I was the favorite. And um, the, uh, the, the week came, and um, it was like, oh, I, I get to drive my car back. And so I started getting ready, and my dad was preparing me for that. This, of course, was before smartphones and GPS and all those things. And so my dad kind of gave me some instructions on, on how to do that. I had done the drive to, from Branson back to Abilene multiple times, but I had never done it solo. I mean, this was eight, nine hours, and I hadn't done that long of a road trip by myself. And so it's really a pretty simple trip from, from Branson. You, you drive north just a little bit, and you run into I-44. You you turn left. There's really just three turns on this, this whole trip. And you turn left and you go across Missouri, and then you kind of start heading into uh, Oklahoma, and you drive down through Oklahoma past Tulsa. And I remember every time we would go, my dad would always remind us, now don't forget the Wichita Falls turnoff, because there's signs there, and you head down south to Wichita Falls and go past with Wichita Falls. You run into I-20, make your, your next turn, your third turn, and you turn right, and you just, you go down I-20 and you run right into Abilene. It's really not that hard. And so as I was preparing for my trip, of course, um, I had to make a mixtape, you know, had all my tunes in my, my car and I got my snacks all ready and I written down the instructions so I didn't forget which way to go. And I headed off north and, and, and ran right into I-44, just like dad said. And I, I took a left, and I went across Missouri and then down into to Oklahoma. I passed by the world's largest McDonald's. You have to stop there and get a little something to eat. And, and then I kept on going south and past, uh, past Tulsa, and that's where I began to remember, just that, that reminder of what my father had told me. He said, hey, now don't forget the Wichita Falls turnoff. And so I was, I was watching. I, I was I was paying attention, sure. And, and so I was driving down the road, and sure enough, the sign comes up, and, and there it is, Wichita, take this exit. And so I, I took the exit and um, made the turn, and I thought, this is great. I've made two of the three turns. I am headed in the right direction. And I keep driving for a little ways, and I noticed that not as much looked familiar to me. Now, I've done this trip a number of times, and I thought, well, maybe it was... Uh, uh, maybe I wasn't, you know, maybe I was sleeping or not paying attention, and that's why this, you know, area doesn't look familiar. And I just, I kept on driving for a little bit longer, and I had this feeling. I was like, it didn't seem like I'm going in the right direction. But instead of stopping to ask, I kept on driving and drove for a little bit longer. And I must have been 30, 45 minutes up the road. And finally I said, oh, okay, I, I got to figure out if I'm headed in the right direction. So I pull off. And um, 
and I uh, pull out a map now for our kids here. Um, at one time, maps used to be on paper. And so I unfolded the map, and I looked at the exit sign, and I looked on the map to find out where I was. And sure enough, I had made the turnoff for Wichita, Wichita, Kansas, going north. Wichita Falls is south, and um, I kind of missed the instructions. And, you know, we do that sometimes, don't we? We kind of get going in life, and we think we know what the instructions are, and we get going, and we kind of do our own thing, and sometimes we get a little bit off course. Well, that's one of the reasons I love the fact that we started this um, series, or started off the beginning of this year, with the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 28. And um, oftentimes, you know, this is not an unfamiliar section of Scripture for, for many of you. In fact, you can probably quote a big part of uh, the Great Commission. But what I've often discovered is I've studied this or heard different lessons on the Great Commission is that oftentimes people don't do this whole section of Scripture from 16 down through 20. Very often, they do, when they say the Great Commission, they just pick up with verse 19. And that's, you know, that verse that says, Go, therefore, into all the world and to all the nations. And they talk about the Great Commission there. But I'm so thankful that when we started this series earlier in the month, Daniel started off with verse 16, because I think starting in verse 16, there is a critical part of Jesus' words to his followers that we can't miss. Now understand, here's the context of this section. This is Jesus right before he is ascending back into heaven. He has already been with his disciples. He has been tried. He has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. He has appeared to his disciples as well as a multitude of others. And here is his last instructions to his disciples before he goes back to be with the Father. So let's go ahead and read this section of Scripture to kind of begin and set the stage for what we're going to talk about this morning. So, verse 16, it says this, And now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had directed them. And they saw him and worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as we begin talking about this section of Scripture, I think it's important to remember that right there from the beginning, Matthew says, um, he says, the 11 disciples. Is that interesting? Because there were really 12 disciples, right, as we read through in the New Testament, because they were often called the 12 or the 12 disciples. Now, Matthew could have very easily just said, the disciples went to Galilee, but instead he writes, the 11 disciples. Why is that? I think it's because he wants us to notice that there has been a, subst uh, a subtraction from the 12. Now there is just 11. You might be thinking, well, there was 12. Who's, who's missing? Did somebody show up late? Judas Iscariot. You remember Judas. He betrayed Jesus on the night of his crucifixion, and Judas was no longer with them. And I think Matthew points this out because he wants us to remember 
Because at one point, Judas was with them. I mean, he showed up to everything. He was there when Jesus was teaching. He was there when those miracles happened. He was, he was close to Jesus. I mean, he was in proximity of the Savior, yet, yet for some reason, Judas missed the purpose and the mission and the message of Jesus, even though he was right there. And he masqueraded as a disciple, so much so that nobody really noticed. So nobody really, you know, you think about when Jesus was, um, had his disciples there for, for the Last Supper, you know, the night before he is about to be crucified. And he even tells them, he, he looks around this table of his disciples, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. But it's interesting that they don't all automatically turn to Judas and say, you're the one. No. Judas was a part of their group, just like any of the others. But yet, somewhere along the way, he lost his way, and he missed the mission and the purpose of why Jesus was here. And I think it's important for us as followers of Christ, if we're not going to get lost along the way, that we need to understand what his purpose is and what our assignment is as believers, because each one of us will face challenges along our faith journey. This morning, I want to share with you kind of three things that I think keep us from that assignment that Jesus has given us. But before we get there, I want to make sure we're all on the same page of what Jesus' mission was. And so I'm going to read a couple of different verses out of the Gospel of John that very clearly outline what Jesus' message was for us. The first one comes from John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, it was God's design to send His one and only Son, Jesus, to this earth to put on flesh, to become both human as well as divine. And Jesus dwelt and lived among us. John chapter 3, verse 17, it says very plainly what Jesus' purpose was. It says, For God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He goes on in, in verse, uh, or John chapter 10, uh, uh, verse 10. These are the words of Jesus as he's describing what his purpose is. He says, The thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. You know, that's exactly what God has given us. He's given us a good life. I mean, in each one of our lives, we experience all sorts of different things. We experience good times, we experience challenging times, and we experience some hard times. But guess what? On our journey, all of those experiences make up our story. In your story, in my story, they are a, an important part of our assignment. Because if we're going to fulfill what Jesus has asked us to do, we're going to have to take our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're going to have to learn how to, to share that with others through the Great Commission. Now, I told you I think there's three things. You might come up with a couple more. But I found three things that I think very often 
keep us from living out this great commission or these instructions that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 28. Now, you'll notice here, you might have picked, on this, picked up on this when we read it before, that um, uh, verse 17, it says, uh, there the disciples were worshiping Jesus, but they had doubt. Did you pick up on that? Here were the disciples who had been following Jesus. They had heard his teachings. They had seen his miracles. They had been following him. They saw him be crucified. But yet he was raised from the dead. And they saw him multiple times continue to appear before them. And here he is one more time. And they're worshiping. But yet some of them still had doubts. And I know for all of us, there are different times in our lives where we have doubts. And sometimes it's those doubts that keep us from living out our assignment. Because it's those doubts when we get that nudge from the Holy Spirit that tells us, hey, maybe you should share your faith with this coworker or this neighbor or this, this family member. We have those doubts sometimes and we begin to kind of play that out in our mind and we think, well, what if they laugh at me? What if they don't believe? How will that affect our relationship? And deep down inside, what we're all really asking, what, is this, what if this person that I care about, what if they reject what I'm about to share with them? And that fear of rejection wells up so much in us that sometimes it causes doubt, and, and it causes us to, to freeze and, and not be able to tell them our faith story. Doubt is a powerful thing because it wells up in lots of different ways. We read this um, passage on the Great Commission, and we hear those words, go into all the nations and, and baptize and teach. And many of us, we read those words and we think, well, how am I going to do that? I, I don't like going across the street, much less going around the world. Or, or how am I going to baptize somebody if I don't fully understand it all? I wish I knew my Bible better. And oftentimes, we talk ourselves out of having those conversations because we automatically think that somebody's going to ask us maybe a question that we don't understand or we're not sure how to respond to. And it's in those moments that we need to remember that prayer that happens in Mark chapter 9. It says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. If you're struggling with doubts about maybe your faith or your ability to share your faith, I would ask you to make it a regular part of your own prayer life, to pray for your unbelief, that God would give you a spirit of confidence, God would give you a spirit of courage, so that you would be willing to get past those doubts, to get past those fears of rejection or, or, or anything that you might that might be holding you back so that you can live out your assignment. The second thing that I think keeps a lot of us from our assignments is the dumb, dumb mistakes that we make. Have you ever made any dumb mistakes? Uh, I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes. Maybe locked your keys in your car, dropped your cell phone in your toilet, been looking for your sunglasses only to find them on the top of your head. Anybody done any of those things? I've done all of those things. I remember one dumb mistake that I made years ago. I used, to, um, I used to do a lot of cycling. I know that's hard to believe. used to do a lot of cycling, a lot of miles on the road. I mean, I had the fancy bike, and I wore the, 
you know, the, the biking shorts and the biking shirt. Sorry to leave that image with you the rest of the afternoon. But um, I, would, I would ride out here a lot, ride out to Brazos Bend State Park, do that multiple times a week. And on this one particular time, I was leaving my neighborhood and riding, going for a long ride. And as I was, was leaving the neighborhood, they were doing some construction there on the, on the pavement. And I could see there on the parkway as I was riding, the, the lanes were merging, you know, from two lanes down into one. And I was going along at a pretty good, you know, pretty good pace. And uh, this truck passes me. It's kind of a construction truck. And I decide, oh, well, that's about the time I'm going to merge. And so I'm just going to pull in behind him, and I'm just going to kind of follow. And so we start doing that. Now, even though it's, you know, kind of construction, we're still moving at a pretty good pace. And I decide I'm going to, you know, spare a little bit of energy. And so I kind of pull up right behind that truck. I'm drafting the wind just to, you know, get a little extra speed there. And we're riding along, and I'm maybe a little bit overconfident, maybe following just a little bit too close. And suddenly this, um, this truck that is in front of me decides to stop very quickly. And suddenly those red lights in the back of that tailgate were coming at my head very, very quickly. But thankfully, I have reflexes like a cat. And I mean, I, I whisked whisk my, my bike around the edge of that truck, just barely missing the bumper of that truck. But when I did, when I went around the truck, I didn't see the... Uh, the orange construction barrel that was right on the other side of that truck, and I hit that construction barrel head on. And suddenly, I took flight over the handlebars, away from my bike, but thankfully, I landed softly into a fresh section of wet concrete, (laughs) covered head to toe. After I got past the embarrassment of that, and after I uh, apologized to the construction workers who had just spent their afternoon making that section of the road beautiful, and they had to go back and, and clean it all up and smooth it out again, I got back on my bike, and I rode back home. But I will tell you, I didn't allow that dumb mistake to keep me from riding again. No, I washed it all off. And I kept on riding. But, you know, sometimes it's those dumb mistakes that we make in our life that keep us from taking a step of faith, of stepping out there into something that might be uncomfortable. And I know for some of you, you think about some of those dumb mistakes that you've done in your life, and you think, well, what if, what if somebody laughs at me? What if they reject me? What if they won't listen to me just because I've done some dumb things in my life. Sometimes that can keep us from moving forward in our faith. But there's one more thing that I think that for many of us is probably the biggest roadblock for us. And that is not just dumb mistakes, but it is truly bad decisions. These are sinful decisions that we have made in our life where we had a choice between choosing right and wrong. And it was in that moment that we made the wrong decision and we sinned against God. And you know, as as imperfect people, we make a lot of those bad decisions. And sometimes it's the culmination of those. Sometimes it's just one event where we have a hard time getting past the mistakes that we've made. 
I know that for some of you, maybe there's been a time in your life where you were far away from God, and maybe you were living in a life that um, wasn't pleasing to Him. It was sinful. And any time that you begin to grow in your faith or any time that you begin to begin thinking about, you know, I really want to share my faith with somebody else, Satan begins to whisper in your ear, who are you to share? Who are you to talk about Jesus? I know what you've done. I know where you've been. Satan uses that against each one of us. He uses our past to keep us from moving into our future with God. And it's almost like that, that our feet were in hardened concrete. And we have a hard time getting past that place in our life where we've made mistakes. You know, we've all made mistakes. Maybe this is your first time to be with us here at Cornerstone. And let me go ahead and tell you right here from the beginning. You see this room full of people? There's not anybody here that's perfect. There's not anybody here that hasn't made some dumb mistakes. There's not anybody here that hasn't made some sinful choices. In fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so if you're here today and you're looking for a perfect church, I'll just go ahead and tell you, this is not it. We are an imperfect church filled with imperfect people. But you know what? We're all striving to be more like Jesus. Because the rest of the Romans, uh, rest of the Roman, uh, uh, the letter to the Romans uh, helps us understand a little bit better of what is going on. Romans chapter 5 tells the rest of the story. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've, gained, we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces endurance. Endurance, character, and character, hope. And it's hope that does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which he has given us. Now, that was a lot. That's a lot to put together. And so I want to do a little illustration here that I hope will help you understand what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 5. I've asked a couple of friends to come up on stage and help me. So Trevor and Jeremy and my very good friend Lincoln are going to come up and, and help me uh, explain what's going on here in Romans chapter 5. Trevor, come on up here. You're going to stand here. Jeremy, you're over here. And Lincoln, you're right here in the middle. You guys scoot up just a little bit more just so everybody can see you. So here's what the guys are going to do. They're going to hold up this bar right up here. I know it's a stretch there. Nice and high. That's great. Y'all just keep holding, uh, keep holding that up. So what I want to do is illustrate this relationship that we have with God. And what Jeremy and Trevor are doing, they're, they're holding up this bar, which is going to represent God's standard. In case you didn't know, as you read through Scripture, Scripture describes who God is. And God is holy or set apart. God is perfect. There is no evil. There is no sin within God. And so this is the standard that God has set for us, okay? And that doesn't change. Now, Lincoln has volunteered to represent all of us. And so he is 
humanity, okay? And so we know that we're not perfect, but we're striving to be like God, right? Okay? So, Lincoln, I want to ask you, can you try to get to that bar? Can you try to hold on to that bar? Go ahead and make, make your best effort. Oh, boy, that was close, wasn't it? Keep going. Yeah, I bet you're going to get it. Oh, no, no, not there. Now, I imagine that we could probably stay here all afternoon. Um, Lincoln has a lot of energy, and he would probably try to jump at that bar all day long. But I promise you, as much as he tries, he is not going to reach that bar. Now, a lot of people will tell you in this, this great design of what God has done is God's, God's standard is up here. And some people in culture will tell you, well, what God does is with Jesus is he lowers the bar, lowers the bar. That's not what happens. No, the bar stays up here. The bar is, is a standard. It is God's holiness. But there's this problem. There's this gap between us and God's standard. But this is part of what God's design was. Because what Jesus does is when, when he came down from heaven and he sacrificed himself, he came to bridge this gap. And as much as we try, I mean, as much as we try to reach God's standard, we can't do it on our own. And so Jesus steps in, and he helps us. Now, Lincoln, you're a whole lot bigger than you used to be, but I'm going to play this role here. Lincoln, reach your hands up, and this is what Jesus does. He lifts us up so that we can reach God. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Um, That's what happens in this passage in Romans chapter 5, because God bridges this gap between us. Because we can, we can try all we want to reach God's standard. We can come to church every time the doors are open. We can try to be good. We can do all those things. But we will still make mistakes. We will still have times where we fall short of God's glory. But thankfully, Jesus Christ, he came to help us. And here's what it talks about here in Romans chapter 5, picking back up in verse 6. It says this, For while we were still weak, in other words, when we were trying to reach God, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. You see, at just the right time, He died for the ungodly. Uh, for one will scarcely uh, die for a righteous person, though, for, uh, though perhaps for a good person, someone would dare to even die. But here's the the critical part. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What we all need to understand is that in our story, along our faith journey throughout our life, we need to understand that if our past mistakes drive you back into the presence of God, they have served their purpose. See, if if there are mistakes or things in your past that you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of, if that got you to a point to where you decided, I want to make a change, I want to get closer to God, I want to put Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life, If, if that's what happened, then that served its purpose to bring you back to God. And that's part of your story. 
That's part of your salvation story, and that's the part that God wants you to be able to share with the people around us. Because there's a lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus, and each one of them has their own story. And as you read through Scripture, as you discover how God orchestrates people to cross paths, He gives us these opportunities to be able to share our story, to be able to connect with them. Because there's a lot of people that I'll come across that, that maybe my story doesn't connect with them, but, but yours does. And as we have opportunity, as God places those opportunities, we have an opportunity to share our faith with these people, to introduce them to the love of God. Joe Painter was telling us a story this week, and I love this story because he said, you know, I was, uh, I was at a gym. I was at his, he was at his gym doing his regular workout, and it just so happened that when he would be in the pool swimming, there was another gentleman that was always there around the same time. His friend was named Jorge. And over a, a, a period of time, as they began swimming at the same time, they just started talking. And they started getting, um, you know, to become friends, just kind of casual gym friends that they would see each other, trying to talk, talk a little bit, of, uh, you know, about what's going on in their life. And, and over a period of time, as, as um, Joe uh, kind of built some trust up with his new friend, Jorge, he began to share his faith. And they began talking about God. And he, Jorge, told Joe that, um, he said, you know, I don't really like Christians, but I like you. And isn't that interesting? Because oftentimes people in this world, whether it's because of culture or a bad experience, there's a lot of people that when, when they hear people of faith or, 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 or people that are Christians, they have a negative view. But oftentimes it's people have that view because they don't know somebody who has spent time to connect with them. Now, we don't know what's going to happen along Jorge's uh, faith journey, but we do know that Joe gave him the opportunity to, to discover more about them. Joe bought him a Bible, gave him a book, The Case for Christ, gave him opportunities to learn more about him as Joe is in relationship with him. And, and maybe during Jorge's lifetime, maybe he doesn't um, come to Christ while he's in relationship with Joe, but that doesn't mean at some point he doesn't turn to God. Maybe there's somebody else that comes along that journey and intersects with him to help him at, at, a, at a critical point in his life where he is ready to receive Jesus. But the, the thing about it is that we're not on this journey alone. And so whether you, you know, maybe have some doubts, uh, maybe you have a fear of rejection, Maybe you have some of those things in your past where you've made dumb mistakes or bad decisions that are keeping you from that. Please know that you're not alone. You're not alone in this great commission. Look around the room. We're all trying to do the same thing, and that is to share the love of Christ. And so as we begin this new year, I'd like to challenge all of us, myself included, to begin by slowing down, slowing down our busy schedules so that we allow enough margin time in our life to see who God has placed before us. Because if you're so busy and just going through life and you forget why God has you here, you won't be able to pass on that blessing of your life 
to someone else. Now, I know that there are some of you here, and maybe last week you saw as we talked about baptism, and you saw some folks take that next step of faith, and they put on Christ in baptism. And maybe that has stuck with you this week. And you've been thinking about that decision. You've been thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm close to Jesus. I show up here at church, but I've never fully put on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe today you're ready to take that step. Maybe you're ready to be baptized and proclaim Him as Lord of your life. We would love to be able to walk that journey with us, with you, Uh, We just have to know about it. We'd love to study more with you. Or if you're ready to take that step, we can make that happen right now. Maybe today you're thinking about your next step in the Great Commission. Where are you going to go? Some of you might be thinking about this missions meeting that's coming up here in just a few minutes. Maybe you've never, you know, thought really about going to a a far-off place to share the gospel, well, maybe the Spirit is nudging you to just go find out a little bit more about that trip. I know for some of you, maybe you're thinking, God's not calling me to go other places. Well, guess what? I've got good news. You live in a unique community. I don't know if you know this or not, but Fort Bend County, um, for the last 20, 30 years, has been one of the most diverse counties in the nation for a very long time. And there are people that have come from all over the world right here to our backyard. And so if going on a foreign mission trip is not your thing, well, guess what? Those folks have come to you. And it's your job to to step across the street, meet your neighbors, maybe step across the cubicle or the office next to you, and get to know your coworkers better. Or maybe there's somebody in your very own family, and maybe they've never taken that step of faith, and they've never really heard your story of faith. I believe God is calling each one of us to go, to use this day and every day that you're walking here on this earth to follow through with the assignment that Jesus has given us. And so right now, as we finish our time together, I want to pray over us as a church that as we move forward, that we would continue to live out God's assignment for us, that we would be a church that that lives by the truth of God's Word through the love of His people, that we would make a difference right here in our own community. Let's bow together and let's pray. God, we thank You for our time together today. So thankful that You have placed Cornerstone right here in this unique opportunity to make a difference in this community for Jesus Christ. Father, I know that there are so many here that are close to us, and they don't know you. But yet, you've given us opportunity after opportunity um, in the future to make a difference, to be able to share Jesus with them. Father, we pray that um, you would help us with our doubts, with our unbelief. We pray that you would give us courage, that you would you would give us great faith so that we wouldn't worry about the dumb mistakes we made or, or, or maybe our past mistakes, Father. But instead, we would take great courage in knowing that we are saved by grace. And it's, it's through our story that we can tell your story. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. For further information about today's podcast or our church in general, please visit us at cornerstonecbc.org. That's cornerstonecbc.org. Thanks. See you next time.